Good morning, Vineyard Christian Fellowship of Yakima. This is Dusty, one of the pastors here at Yakima Vineyard. I'd like to welcome you this morning. Uh, before we get into the message this week, I wanted to connect with you just a little bit about church reopening. Um, we are in now phase 1.5 for the Yakima Valley, and so our church is actively putting procedures in place. Um, we're acquiring some PPE so that we can have some disposable masks available for people who who want to come in person. We are looking at having in-person services in the next few weeks. Um, we're trying to do this orderly. We're trying to do this with the interests of the people in our congregation who are the most vulnerable in mind. Um, I would like to encourage all of us in this season, as I hopefully have been encouraging you, to give each other grace. Um, for some people, they, until this pandemic has ended, um, are not going to feel comfortable coming into the church building. And that is okay. And they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are our church family members. We love them. There are some people who, you know, you um, wanted to open from the beginning, right? Um, and we need to have grace for them as well. So grace on both sides, right? Grace to all. Um, not all of us are going to have uniformity in how we approach the current situation we find ourselves in. Um, but in the same way that Jesus gave all of us grace and mercy and love and understanding and that he served us, let us serve each other. Let us care for each other. Let us give grace to each other wherever we land on this. This is a season. This is a time and space that we are in. It happens every hundred years or so. We happen to get the time that this is occurring in. And so it is up to us to be good Christians, to be good followers of Jesus, and to exemplify his character. The character of Christ towards each other and so whether people come or don't come that's okay we're going to continue to record the message each week um, we are going to do things like requiring a mask as people come in just to protect one another um, and there's more procedures in place um, I would encourage that we're going to be putting in place and we're going to put out a written statement on social media and we'll probably try to text it out for those of you um, who have filled out the form online, giving us your information. Uh, that's kind of a little plug to go on to our Friends of Yakima Vineyard page or our members page or, um, you know, give us your information if you want to be kept up to date um, with our processes and procedures that we're going to be going in place. So I just wanted to let you know, we, we are going to be meeting again in person soon, um, if not right away. But we want to do things, you know, God is a God of order. God is a God... Um, that encourages patience in us. Uh, you know, scripture says that patience is a virtue. And so we're going to exercise that virtue and try to do things in a proper orderly manner. Um, we do want to get together. There's probably few of you. I would way rather be speaking to you than to a video camera. I promise you there are few of you who want to get together more than I do. <laughs> I, I very much want to be with my people again. Um, but at the same time, 
Christ calls for us to serve each other and to care for the least of these. And that's my heart. I know that's the heart of the pastoral and leadership team here at the church. And so please know that we are meeting. We're putting things together. Um, this is something that we will be doing, um, if not right away. So within the next few weeks, uh, be looking for that. Oh, sorry, my, my video stopped there. Here we go. Okay, <laughs> we're going to go ahead and jump in. I, apparently, I spent so much time talking that my computer decided to shut down. Um, I'm going to open up with a quick word of prayer, and we'll get going. Lord Jesus, would you give us your heart? Jesus, would you show us the way to be and the way to live? Um, Lord, you are you're everything, Jesus. You're everything to us, God. So, Lord, would you give us your heart? And would you continue to show us uh, how to be good followers of you, Jesus? Amen. So this week, Jesus is showing us how to serve. We're going to um, be exploring one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, which is where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. I love this picture of what Jesus does here. Um, so it's going to be John 13, 1 through 17 is the passage we're in this week. And I wanted to start off with, sorry, my video is acting up here. I apologize, guys, bear with me. Okay. So Jesus is the way. He's the way for us to follow. It's not just enough for us to worship God. We're called to emulate the lifestyle of Jesus, to be the people of the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is literally all truth. He's the primary revelation of God's character to the world. And Jesus is the life. Through Jesus, he gives us life, both now and forevermore. I wanted to start off with going through some of the names and some of the titles of Jesus. So Jesus is the Almighty One, who is and was and is to come. He is the Almighty. We find this in Revelations. He's the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last and the beginning and the end, Jesus says. Revelations 22. Jesus is our advocate. Dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We find that in 1 John. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We find that in Hebrews. Jesus is the authority. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We find that in Matthew. Jesus says he's the bread of life. Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We find that in John. Jesus is our deliverer. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. We find that in 1 Thessalonians. Jesus is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We find that in John 10. Jesus is our great high priest. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We find that in Hebrews. 
Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of our church. And he put together, put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That's in Ephesians. Jesus is the I am. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. We find that in John. Jesus is Emmanuel. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We find that in Isaiah. King of kings. Jesus is the king of kings. These will wage war against the lamb and the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of Lord and King of kings. And those who are with him will be called the chosen and faithful. We find that in Revelations. Jesus is the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. That is Christ. That's in John 1. Jesus is the supreme creator over all. By him, all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. We find that in Colossians. Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. For uh, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We find that in Isaiah. There's a reason I was going through all these names and all these titles of Jesus. I wanted us to, to have an understanding. I wanted us to have a base and a, and a framework for just who Jesus is and just what all Jesus is. Because then we see that all of this authority, all of this power, all of this greatness and righteousness that is Jesus what he does with it is, is astounding and, and almost unthinkable to our human senses. Let's jump into the scripture. John 13, 1 and 2. It was just before Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he could come from God, and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He put all things under his power. I want to read you a verse from Philippians. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and in earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every 
knee will bow. Whether you're in heaven, whether you're in hell, whether you're on the earth, every knee will bow and recognize that Jesus is Lord. That he is Lord over all. That he's Lord over all that is and was and ever will be. That's who Jesus is. That's the authority and the power that Jesus has. So what did Jesus, who we've seen, is King and Lord, that scripture tells us who he is, and to whom all power was given, what does he do with that great authority? He kneels down and he washes the feet of his followers. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Let me wash your feet. Think about that for a moment. So different from our world, isn't it? How Jesus is and who Jesus showed us to be. It's very different from the world we see around us. It's nothing short of scandalous, right? That the one who comes from God and is going to God should take on the menial task of a slave. This act points to an even greater scandal to come when in the dark hours ahead, Jesus is going to lay down his very life. He's going to be crucified on a Roman cross, an execution that was reserved only for rebels and slaves to the empire. It's an incredible thing. Let's continue on. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not know now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, I love Simon's like, Simon Peter's moment here. He's like, then Lord... Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. It's like, if that's the case, wash all of me. Like, I want everything to do with you, so wash all of me. Peter gives voice to this scandal of Jesus' actions, though, right? Lord, are you going to wash my feet? I mean, Peter, like, you know, this is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He said that I am, I am right? Before the world was, I am. That he spoke everything into being. Um, I love uh, C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, I believe it's in The Magician's Boy, the book The Magician's Boy, um, where he talks about Aslan at the creation of the world. And Aslan is walking through the world singing everything into existence. And I imagine, uh, you know, and there's a scripture where it talks about how God sings over us. Uh, I, I have an imagining in my head of Jesus, like Aslan, singing creation into being. Um, but that's the Jesus, that's the God we serve, right? The one that holds, you know, we read in Colossians, like holds everything together. And so it's understandable that, that Peter, recognizing who Jesus is and what Jesus is, that he's the greatest rabbi, that he's Messiah, um, that he would wash his feet like a slave would. You can understand Peter's reticence, right? You can understand how Peter would have an issue with that. But when Jesus says that Peter will understand later what he's doing, Peter objects even more strongly. He says, you will never wash my feet, Jesus. But then <laughs> Peter has a come to Jesus moment. 
quote-unquote. <laughs> Jesus corrects Peter. Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. To which Peter responds, Lord, not only my feet, but my, my hands and my head as well. Would that we would all respond like this when we're corrected by God, right? Like when God says, you are not understanding my kingdom principles. You are not understanding what the word says. And then by the Holy Spirit, God reveals himself to us and he shows us the reality of what he's saying in scripture, the reality of the truth of the kingdom of God. Would that we would all respond like Peter did and, and correct in, like in the moment, correct our thinking and correct our heart. Allow our hearts to be changed. Peter was so vehemently against Jesus washing his feet. But then when, when Jesus helps adjust his thinking, helps, helps correct his thinking, Peter has a change of heart in that moment and allows God to move the way God needed to move. That's my heart for all of us. That's my heart for all of you, that, that we would allow God to change us and to correct us in those places where he needs to do that. Sometimes God's going to act and move and function in ways that are going to seem really foreign to our human understandings, right? I'm sure you've experienced this before. I can't be the only one. But God should and will ever be a mystery. I mean, there are just aspects of God that are just hard to understand. It's like, God, how is it that you function that way? You know, it's just hard for our human understanding to grasp. We can understand things about God's character. I mean, we know that he is good. We know that he is love. We know that he has grace and mercy and forgiveness for us. We know that he is just, right? We know these things about God. But that's not the totality of God, right? I mean, the disciples, like, they walked with Jesus. They lived with Jesus they, for years, right? They were with him 24-7. They lived together. And yet they still misunderstood him a lot of times, like Peter did here, right? They still didn't quite quite understand how the kingdom of God worked. So my encouragement to you this morning as well is give yourself some grace, right? That sometimes we misunderstand God or we get things wrong, but give yourself also the grace to change. Like if you have a revelation that you thought God worked this way, and then through scripture, through understanding, through the Holy Spirit, maybe in connection with other people, you have a, your understanding of how God function changes. Allow that to happen just like it did for Peter. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart and work on your mind, to work on your spirit. And if he needs to shift some things, allow him the space God wants to change us. He wants to make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. Um, there's a scripture that says, Lord, um, uh, renew my mind, right? Renew my mind daily. Renew my heart. Restore a right spirit within me. Not my own spirit, but a right spirit, right? There's, there's lots of scriptures that talk about transformation and how God wants to transform us and change us to make us more like him. Would we be soft clay in the hands of the potter that is God? Let's continue on. To our human sensibilities, someone with authority and power typically doesn't humble themselves, right? If we look at our governmental systems, if we look at our business systems, to a large extent, if we look at our church systems, if you have power, typically us humans, we use it to get our way, right? That's what we see in humanity. That we use our power for our benefit. God's kingdom doesn't work that way. God's kingdom 
functions differently. I've heard it said before by other teachers that, you know, God's kingdom is an upside-down pyramid, right? Where the least of these are at the top. And the most powerful are at the bottom. The first shall be last, right? God's kingdom functions differently. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, so should we. Continuing on. Jesus answered, to those who had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, right? He knew Judas was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned back to his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? The scripture really popped out to me, verse 11. For he knew who was going to betray him. And for this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. This statement brings to us maybe the greatest scandal in this story. It's astonishing enough that Jesus takes on the role of a slave and washes the dirty feet of his disciples. What's even more astounding is the fact that he does so knowing full well that they will all fail him miserably in his hour of greatest need. Peter, right, the one who he just had a come to Jesus moment and changed his mind and, and allowed the kingdom of God to overwhelm him and, and, and allow Jesus to wash his feet, right? He was resistant and then he changed. This same Peter... In just a few chapters, as we'll be reading, denies Christ. Judas betrays him utterly and gives him over to be killed. But Jesus washes their feet, knowing what they will do. He washes their feet anyway. It's nothing short of miraculous to me. It's nothing short of miraculous to me. God demonstrates in Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Again, the scandal of Jesus is that while we're at our most broken, he loves us enough to sacrifice himself for us. We did nothing, asked for nothing. We're worthy of nothing. And yet he gives his life freely for ours. My heart's prayer as I was going through this, is that, Lord, may I live worthy of that great love. May I live worthy of that great sacrifice. Lord, would you use my life? Would you use my life? Continuing on, 13 through 15, book of John. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Here, as in so many ways, Jesus shows us how to live. It's not for our own pleasure or our own gain. Rather, it's our calling as followers of Jesus to serve others. And to serve God. Do you have a servant's heart in you? It's my question for you this morning. Do you have a servant's heart in you? I constantly pray to God, Lord, create a servant's heart in me. Jesus continues on. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you want God's blessing in your life? I know I do. Jesus tells us what it is we need to do to receive the blessing of God. And that is to serve. That is to emulate him. That is to wash others' feet. I want to take a moment here and pray. And ask God what that might look like for each of us. Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just ask in this moment, would you come? Come, Holy Spirit. Would you reveal to each one of us how we are to wash one another's feet? How are we to wash the feet of our neighbors, our friends, our family? Lord, what does it mean for each one of us to serve? Father, our lives are yours. You, as scripture says, have given us our days. You've given us our seconds, our minutes, our hours, our days, our weeks, our months, our years. You have given to them to us, God, as a gift. Lord, may we use that gift in the way that blesses you. And Lord, you promise in turn that you will bless us. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. That's our prayer this morning, God. Show us how to have servant hearts, Jesus. Show us how to have servant hearts, God. We ask this of you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I wanted to end with this amazing quote by Albert Schweitzer. He was a theologian, writer, humanitarian, philosopher, and a physician. Apparently, he was a high achiever. Uh, But he had this great quote that I love. I've used it before. I'll probably use it again. The only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. If you want to have a happy life, if you want to have a life of fulfillment, if you want to have a life where you go to bed satisfied that you spent your day on things that were advancing the kingdom of God, find a way to serve. Whether it's in the church, whether it's out of the church, wherever it is God is calling you, there are so many Um, opportunities for us to serve one another. I pray you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, engage with God the Father, and be like Jesus. And do what it is you hear God telling you to do and that you will respond. Bless you guys this week. I look forward to uh, seeing some of you soon. Um, On a little programming note, I will be out this next week. Um, so I won't be on the, the before service Zoom call or uh, engaged in Sunday morning. I'm taking just a little short weekend break. So uh, bless you guys. I look forward to um, speaking to all of you soon.